Hey everybody, Shane Presley here with Rock Paper Podcast. I have a couple of exciting things to tell you about. Uh, first off, June 22nd, Broadway Oyster Bar. I'll be hosting the 5th Annual Rock Paper Podcast Birthday Show. And this year's party, I'll have Amanda Fish Band, Tony Campanella Band, and Odds Lane for your entertainment pleasure Again, uh, this is June 22nd, Broadway Oyster Bar. Uh, we'll be starting off about 10 o'clock. It's a $8 cover for the show. And along with all the great live music, of course, we'll have uh, delicious food from Broadway Oyster Bar and cold drinks all night long and live art from my friend Jessica Hitchcock. So it's going to be a great night. Can't wait to see you all there celebrating five years of Rock Paper Podcast pretty crazy to think about uh also uh coming up real quick um on may 14th at naked vine it's uh my may edition of my singer songwriter storytelling showcase this month i'll be bringing along billy krogan and tony compton of less gruff and the billy goat along with karen Choi. so Come on out. It's a 7 o'clock start for that show. $5 at the door. May 14th at Naked Vine. And uh, if you haven't been out there, these are all a whole lot of fun. It's really a quiet, uh, quiet, intimate singer-songwriter storytelling show. Of course, They all play acoustic and sitting on stools. And it's a nice listening room experience. So come on out to that one. Uh, And that's, again, that's every second Tuesday of the month at Naked Vine. Uh, Let me tell you about my friends over there at Naked Vine. If you haven't been by, it's a cool little space they have going on out there, uh, serving up all kinds of wine, whiskey, tequila, and local craft beers. Uh, You can catch some great live music there Thursday through Saturday. And this week, on May 8th, you can see Jason Garms out there. Um, Oh, sorry, Thursday. Thursday, May 9th, Jason Garms will be out there. Um, on Friday, Nick Detmer and the Sawdusters on May 10th. And John Bonham and Friends return on Saturday, May 11th. You can find all this information and more at nakedvine.net. Be sure to follow along with them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, get involved. Come on out. It's a really cool thing they got happening out there. And I also want to tell you about my friends at Joseph Meyer Club. You've been hearing me talk about them. They have a really great uh, foaming aftershave that I've been using. It's, uh, I love it, and I think you will too. Give it a shot. Uh, you can try it today right now for 20% off using my promo code RPPJMC20 during checkout. Again, RPPJMC20 at checkout at josephmeyerclub.com. You can follow them on Facebook also for more information and uh, get involved. I think you uh, will really like this. It uh, smells awesome. It's uh, and the foaming is really nice too. You don't. It's not really messy like any uh, liquid ones. If you may have tried in the past. So if you're looking for some new aftershave to try, check out Joseph Meyer Club. Again. Uh, Thanks to all my sponsors. Thanks to everybody listening. I really uh, appreciate all the support over the last five years. It's uh, been a wild ride. So thank you all 
for continuing to listen and tell friends. Again, you can find Rock Paper Podcast on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Get involved with the show and uh, let me know what you think. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Um, the podcast is kind of like a, it's like a radio show that's not on the radio. It's on, it's on the internet. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> that's also like my mom. Uh, it makes it sound more confusing, doesn't it? Uh, it sounds like this. Hey, this is Sean. Hey, this is Joe. Hey, this is Phil. We are Alligator Why? You're listening to Rock Paper Podcast.
Hey everybody, Shane Presley, Rock Paper Podcast, coming to you from St. Louis, Missouri. Hanging out today with the guys of Alligator Wine. How's it going? Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, hey. Hey, Shane. This is uh, this is cool. I'm glad to be back here. Uh, I know we've, we've done about 45 of these, I think, uh, but we, I don't think we've ever <laughs> talked actually about uh, done a proper Alligator Wine one. So uh, It's about time. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's go around to Mike. You guys want to... Introduce yourselves for everyone listening. Uh, Sean Anglin, uh, drummer, percussionist. Uh, Joe Cappen, bass and vocals. Phil Wright, harmonica and vocals. Yeah, man. Now this, like I said, a couple, uh, a couple of repeat guests for sure. Um, but this is cool that we're back here talking about this project, uh, especially as uh, things are kind of uh, gearing up for the summer. You guys got a lot of, a lot of stuff happening for the group and. Um, but uh, I guess uh, I know we've kind of covered some of this stuff in the past with uh, some some Filipalooza appearances and different things you guys have done. And um, but uh, kind of guys want to give me a quick uh, rundown, a little brief history of the of Alligator Wine when this uh, when we everything started with this group. Sure. And uh, yeah, we we came together I guess a couple of years back on a uh, for uh, Jerry Week for the days between. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a we were we were all playing Terrapin Tuesday events, Pops and Moon, and different incarnations, and um, they basically wanted somebody to come in and do a, a set of Dead on Jerry's birthday. And Sean was playing with Vitamin A, uh, and we were all friends. And Carson and Joe and I were doing this Candeleros, and we're like, "Well, we know this these songs." And Sean's like, "Well, I got to have one that night. And I know these songs too. And yeah. Let's let's get together and and uh, and we we pulled together like literally a set list, maybe over the course of two days, and went in and." flung it together and had a blast had a big crowd crowd response was good had a fun time um those so, first shows were great because it was literally fly by the seat of our pants yeah we'd see we'd like sit out a te- like a patient messenger list everybody and say like hey run through these songs it was and it was never meant like at the beginning to be anything that was too formal it was just be like friends get together and jam some dead tunes yeah it was just for fun it was uh, more of like just play the blues songs pick pen era stuff you know type stuff you know and uh yeah just uh, people kept asking for the other songs, and we're like, "Well, you know, we're doing this, and okay, we'll change." Yeah, it just it, it, tur- it turned into like you know, I think it was probably what two weeks through three, two or three Not weeks. Not very long. Those, and all of a sudden, we had a you know, a band name and a Facebook page, and then it was about pictures. third gig in. It was yeah. like, well, let's just give ourselves a name. Yeah, yeah. let's just do this. And uh, so, uh, over time, it morphed, and and, and uh, you know, went from like Joe was saying, went from being the pig pen era like blue stuff from the early you know late 60s and you know stuff like that to well we all like these other songs let's try adding these and they and so you know we uh we just we grew and morphed and, and developed over time and uh you know we, we took a brief hiatus there and uh and and we're kind of deciding which way we wanted to go with it what we wanted to do and um you know gradually added members and other guys stepped to, to other projects and things back and forth and uh when brian mccormick got involved with the, the midwestern um, I guess you know a little over a year ago one of the first things he asked me about was uh, Dead Night at the Ballpark yeah when I saw that post the first thing I said to message Phil was let's book it yeah let's book it you know we'll figure out we'll figure out the band after we book it <laughs> yeah we'll figure out everything else after that and so he's right and so coincidentally like by the time Sean sent me that message maybe within <coughs> two nights of that I ran into Brian McCormick at the Oyster Bar and uh, he's like hey, I want to book you guys for Dead Night at the Ballpark and I said it's funny I was looking for a gig from Dead Out of the Ballpark. And uh, I didn't know anything about the Midwestern. I had no idea about the venue. And, um, and uh, he kind of gave me a brief rundown over a couple of beers and got home and I messaged these guys and go, well, 
here's that gig opportunity we were looking for for, <laughs> for everything. And, uh, you know, probably the, uh, within a matter of a couple of days, we had a boat, had it lined up, and, uh, you know, been looking forward to it. Yeah. I uh, I was just thinking, uh, my my friend uh, Lexi Schlemmer, she was, uh, used to sponsor the show for quite a while, and we've become good friends, but she gets a lot of calls for random things, and, you know, she, that's one thing I learned from uh, She told me, was like, just say yes. And then figure out how to do it later. Like you know, it's like that's yeah, very true. Very could, smart. Yeah, I'm like, uh, so there's a lot of things that she might have gotten over her head, but she figured it out how to make it work and yeah. stuff. But that's the thing. I don't want to. You don't want to turn down a, a gig like that when yeah. uh, when that's a great opportunity. The next time, then the next time they won't think of you. Yeah. They're like, yeah. well, they turned it down. You know, right. so you got to keep yourself open all the time in any in any aspect of your life. Yep. Well, it's a lot easier too. Which you know, I think but like all of us have with music in general and our jobs in general is you. Like I said, that, that mentality of say yes and figure it out later, sometimes it's how you learn the most. It's like going, all right, I got myself into something. <laughs> how do we uh, how do we put this together? Time to hustle. Yeah, oh, time yeah. to hustle. And, go <laughs> and, and I think with this, it was a little bit different because we, we knew we had, you know, we, we, knew we, could, we knew we could do it. It was a matter of how do we want to do it. And yeah. who do we want to be, you know, how do we want to go about building it? So, uh, you know, we all love the dead. You know, being a dead tribute band in St. Louis is, uh, uh, you know, I was talking with, this, with somebody the other day. It's, it's not... It's not common. Most cities have multiple different Grateful Dead tribute bands. And right. For St. Louis to have a handful, and then we'll all be very talented, very good, but very, very different the way that everybody's approaching things. And, you know, we think we definitely have a, a, a different way of approaching it, and, and we're friends with all the other guys. I mean, we have a different way of approaching it. Yeah, it's not about competition. No. It's just, I mean, we all love, I mean, there, there's so many people in St. Louis that love the Grateful Dead. It's, it, it, yeah. it could be like five other bands. Yeah. You know, it just, it, it's if you love it, just do it. Well, Josh always jokes about the fact that he can't go out and see live music. And Josh Watler always jokes about the fact he goes, maybe it's people I'm friends with. He goes, but I can't go out and see live music in St. Louis without hearing at least a dead tune or two. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's that, everybody covers it. It's, it's all ingrained in the city for yeah. some reason. I yeah, that's the truth. It's I'll, the truth. There's a lot of bands that do a lot of dead songs that you really don't even realize until they yeah. bust it out in front of you, and you're like, oh, I didn't know they did this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it happens all the time with all with all different kinds of bands, not just you know jam bands or folky bands, you know. I've seen, yeah. I've seen it with, you know, oh, yeah. edgy keyboardish bands. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking something out and you're like, well, that works. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's funny how like uh you know, there was a there was an interview with Jeff Tweedy at one point talking about his deadhead phase and how like they I think they went out with you guys remember better than I did. One of the lineups went out with Wilco and Government Mule and all those guys uh, years back with um, one of the one of the traveling festivals and uh there's a recording that went around all over the place of Wilco doing Ripple. With uh, with with yeah. I think Phil Esch on it, mm-hmm. I other guys, that, and it yeah. was like one of those. I guess they covered Ripple and Wilco's set quite frequently. Yeah, and so it's like, I mean, Ween has covered Grateful Dead. Yeah, I mean, if that tells you anything, right. yeah. it just goes, you know. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. yeah, I uh, I personally like I knew some of the hits, uh, you know, some of the Casey Jones or whatever, you know, some of the big yeah. ones and sure. stuff. But like, uh, as far as like, you know. Deep dive into the catalog. I, I really, you know, that was on, and then didn't grow up on the stuff. You know, right. I didn't really have anybody exposing me to a lot of Grateful Dead music when I was younger. And uh, but, you know, even since working at Oyster Bar now for three years, like even and hanging out with you guys and everybody else around town, I've definitely have uh, learned my fair share of uh, of Dead <laughs> tunes now. Four speeding. <laughs> you will like this. <laughs> but it was something I like. I never grew, you know, like I never really had a, a really a true appreciation for it. It was, you know, some of the stuff I liked, but I never, 
I didn't really get the whole phenomenon, you know. Right. Like, I mean, growing up for me, I never listened to the Grateful Dead when I grew when I was growing up as yeah. a kid. I was listening to Van Halen and like Black Sabbath and Metallica, yeah. you know. And like I just in high school, I started hanging out with kids, and they're like, "Oh, listen to this." Sure. Like you'll like this, and then I'm like, "Oh, I do like this. Yeah. What is this?" It has like this whole like magical thing that I never felt before. So it's really shaped who I am as a person and a musician. Yeah. But my thing was like seeing it live made me really appreciate it. Watching, you know, yeah. what, like you're saying how there is several bands doing it around town, but everybody brings something different to it and it's all yeah, their own way. Flavor, yeah, yeah. Their own way doing it live. And that's what I really, you know, makes me appreciate it more is seeing, a, seeing a, you know, all these guys playing it live and stuff. Yeah. So. I think that's one of the beauties of the band, though, themselves is that, you know, they weren't coming from just a straight ahead. I mean, they were, they were a blues and jug band early on, but, uh, you know, they weren't ever really really easy to pigeonhole. They had a little bit. There was there was there was blues. There was rock. There was jazz. There was country. There there was world music. There was a little bit of everything kind of in their music. Like bluegrass. Bluegrass. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can find you can find a lot of things in their music, and so it kind of opens itself up to be interpreted differently by different genres and different forms of players and different yeah. things. And you know, that's why like at first we were like we're straight ahead doing that the the early blues stuff, and, and you know, I think we all kind of being people who have not necessarily grown up on it, but have been listening to it for so many years at this point. We're like, man, it was kind of, it was kind of. It's like let's let's branch out. Let's get into some of the yeah. headier stuff that we really want to get Deeper into. Cuts. And uh, that's that's kind of where we are right now with it. Is I feel like we're we're, you know, we've added several new songs for surprises for this show, and uh, you know, some of the some of the the, the deeper cut material that maybe we. Uh, have wanted to do for a while and we've had some time and that's kind of been the nice thing about having some downtimes. we've been able to take our time with rehearsals and, and kind of sort out through uh, some of the stuff that you know takes some time to do that and uh, you know I, I know that I'm excited I know these guys are excited about it and I don't so, know I'm not really excited <laughs> Joe's not impressed is it time to go yet? No. not impressed Joe's not impressed <laughs> you, uh, you guys mentioned in the pig pen stuff did you guys see this meme that went out? yeah, yeah that's oh. great <laughs> yeah I saw that one yeah. blues band. Yeah. All right. that one uh, that one cracked me up man that you was, can't see it's, it's a picture of yeah, pig it's, right. a, it's a picture of pig pen you know this being an audio uh, form of media, Pigpen's holding up a, a, a tambourine and it says, "When you realize that a bunch of hippies have hijacked your blues band." Yeah, yeah. it's a. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, just drunk on the whiskey. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> and realized a bunch of yeah. hippies. Are, well, you know, you know, God love Pigpen, man. Yeah. It, he and you know what they even say that Pigpen was and will forever be a member of the Grateful Dead. Yeah, well, yeah. Jerry has said that, that he true. was the and leader. They like, all yeah. said that. All of them yeah. have said that that Pigpen was the Grateful yeah, Dead. He was the front man. You know mm-hmm. and. For whatever reason, the band went different ways, and and Pig went his way. But you know, it, you can't escape that. That's the root, and that's the base. Yeah. yeah, and and that's actually some of that. Some of that old early stuff is as trippy as any of the new stuff. Oh yeah, you know, they get they get some of the some some of the pig pen raps going, and they they those guys dig deep, and sometimes they bring it down to like a whisper. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. But it, but you can hear every single note, and it's just fantastic. Uh, do you guys, uh, I mean, not that like you, I don't think you sh- anybody strives for it, but like kind of a healthy competition and rivalry, like trying to dig out something that a deep cut that nobody else is doing in town or any of that kind of stuff, like I, try to do something different with it like that? I, I, I kind of want to do that. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's no point of hearing every band in St. Louis play Friend of the Devil. Right. Or something, you know. I mean, All that's time. fine. But, but right. you know, it's like we want, you know. And we'll play it. <laughs> well, we yeah. do play it. Yeah, yeah. regularly. You know, yeah. <laughs> so we are those people. Anyway. Uh, but yes, I mean, you have to differentiate, differentiate, uh, differentiate. Yeah. Can't even talk. I got you, buddy. Sorry, podcast world. (laughs) Um, but yeah, you know, you have to, 
you know, make yourself stand out a little bit, you know, right. like, oh, well, wow, they're playing this song. Like, I haven't heard that, you know, in a while. So, yeah, it's, and, I don't even know and it's fun for me, especially learning that stuff, because right. I love it so much. I was like, I want, can we please do this, you know, <laughs> yeah. please, you know. Anyway. No, I, I don't even... <laughs> well, I've always said that, like, one of my favorite... <laughs> One of my favorite album versions of anything is is playing in the band, and because the one that they recorded for the album actually most best represents what the Grateful Dead is going to sound like live. That's true. Um, it's an it's an amazing studio recording, and uh, to be able to, uh, I think sometimes to be able to sort of like pull from the studio stuff and not so much the live stuff almost lends more of a a credibility to it it's not uh well we're just gonna jam you know some live stuff it's like okay well we actually listened to the album and this is the way they played it li- this is the way they played it in the studio yeah you know well i think that i've, I've gone back and we talked about this you know i have listened to this listen to the studio versions something that i probably just i guess stopped doing a lot when i was younger because you're just so immersed in all the live stuff so once they, once they started releasing so much of the live material officially and you could actually get quality recordings all of a sudden you'd go Years and years and years without hearing like the, the studio version of uh, like oh I remember my hearing, gosh yeah. I remember hearing the estimated profit studio version for the first time and I don't know like probably ten years and I was like that is so awesome and, like, yeah we kind of been blown away by I it. mean I had that tape I mean I listened to that tape like Terpin Station went over and over again over and over, yeah and then you know I would go you know like you said years without hearing without the hearing version. that version and you go back and listen you're like whoa and then when you hear the studio version the production you're like, and everything it's right. a really cool way we could actually play this like this and still open it up right. and still. Like listen to Fire on the Mountain, the studio version. It's the the drums are so sparse. Yeah. But the but the beat and the rhythm is all still there, and right. that's actually kind of the beauty of it. It's kind of fun to try and emulate that sometimes, and not try to be the whole busy nonsense. With, right. You know, like try to do the double drummer thing, as a single drummer, but just like I'm just gonna play the straight simple beat that they played on the record, and yeah. and man, sometimes that groove is just deep. Yeah. And the funny thing is, you asked about the competitions out of it, and you know, I'm as competitive as, you know. As a person, I'm, I'm very competitive, <clears throat> but I don't know that I necessarily. I don't. I don't actively think about it as being a way for like you know us to be something where we're like saying, "Come see us because we do this right different or better than what they yeah, do." Yeah, it's not. I think it's different. one of those deals where like, you know, it's kind of fun for us to go. Here's something that separates. At least saying it's not better or worse, it's just different. This is sure, right. these guys are likely to delve into this. I know that like. You know, we've talked about this too, and, and, and by early 20s, when you could go on Thursday or Friday night to 20 North to see Jake Slag, oh, yeah. you could go to Saturday night and see 710 at the Country Club, Oh yeah. and then on Tuesday night, the swagger, the kind, of their Tuesday night deals. So for three nights, four nights a week in St. Louis, you could go see dead music, but you could also get a different spin on all of it from all three of those bands. Right. Yeah. And, and it was kind of fun to kind of have that, that way to kind of branch out and go say, all right, their spin on this song is really cool, or this song is, I just heard these guys do this the other night, but it sounds different and cool the way you guys are doing it. And that's kind of what I think, you know, um, I don't know that there's necessarily one thing that differentiates us between the others by any means. I think it's one of those deals where, you know, uh, we all go see Jake's Light all the time. We're still uh, we're still friends with them and, and oh, play, yeah. with them, play with them as much as we can. And um, I'll go see them on a night where we're off. If they're playing, I'd love to go see them. And I think, you know, when we're friends, with, they come out to our shows. And it's one of those deals where, you know, it's kind of fun to kind of sit and banter with them back and forth from a perspective of saying, you know, oh, I like the way you guys did this and this dude or whatever right. else and it's kind of like you know there, there's definitely a, 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 a total mutual respect with everybody but at the same time kind of like a, a fun friendly sort of like a, you right. know way to push each other it's yeah. always a learning experience yeah, yeah. I, I learn every time I watch this nothing is mean spirited it's, sure. it's all it's all kindness and like you know 
you know, we all care about each other. And well, and if you're not learning something from watching somebody else play anything, even if it's not dead stuff, I'm like, I'm, right. I'm, I'm constantly stealing something from somebody else. And, yeah. Right. Know, I have two jobs. I'm a teacher and a musician, and both of them we steal everything from somebody else. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's exactly. Like, it's like I'm, I, nothing's, nothing's necessarily straight up original. It's always like I borrowed this idea from somebody else and made it my own. Yeah. But I mean, and I, did, and I get that from seeing other players play, whether they're harmonica players or whether they're guitarists or keyboardists or right. horn sections. I mean, I've learned a lot about how to play my, how to play my instrument by playing with horn sections. And, you know, it's... You kind of just find a different way to approach things. So I think that's kind of what playing music in St. Louis or playing music live in general, I think, is about. Yeah. yeah. Nice, man. Well, let's uh, let's get a couple uh, dates out there where you can come see Alligator Wine. Like you said, you mentioned uh, Grateful Dead Night at the Ballpark coming up. That's Friday, May 10th. And you, uh, Alligator Wine, will be at the, Mid- what, the Midwestern uh, 5 to 7 before the game. Doing acoustic stuff before the game, two sets. Uh, five to seven at the uh, at the Midwestern, and then after the game we'll be doing uh, two electric sets as well. Oh, nice! Yeah. Uh, so what like for you guys like is there a is there a big difference when you I mean for you to strip it down and do an acoustic set compared to the electric? I mean, is there you you guys do a lot of uh, change in the arrangements or just? I don't think we change the arrangements. I think it's just mostly just it's acoustic. Yeah. You know, um, we could do any most of the electric stuff. I'll, not all of it, but most of it, we could do it acoustic. It's just, you know, we don't want to, you know, I guess we're doing it because there's going to be like a dinner crowd earlier. Yeah, it was, it was kind of the venue's idea. Yeah. And, I like, and I like doing the acoustic stuff, too. With the Dead, maybe more than some other bands, there's a treasure trove of material that they did. Yeah. Just to get, there's a couple but, albums, yeah. there's Reckoning, there's a couple albums where they're like, these are songs that in my mind are acoustic songs because they're the versions that we... There was a whole series of years where they would do uh, two sets yeah or or an early show and a late show and and the early show would include acoustic sets a lot of times yeah Yeah. and i've seen i saw him do that with uh it was one of the lineups i think it was further or whatever they're just called just the dead or whatever they were but one of the lineups of chicago did that they did they did a first set of electric they came up for the second set and and the drummers brought out small you know cocktail kits in front and they did a stripped down acoustic set for four Mm -hmm. four or five songs and then went into drums and then went back to their drum kits and then rolled out and that was at the Chicago at the I think it's America Center or whatever but it was uh, it's kind of cool it's the, ever, it's the only time I've ever seen them do kind of like that sort of a setup for, for a dead show and so I think with this band especially with the, with the dead there's there's so much material that like I said you can think of as being the acoustic too and so I think uh, we, we steal from that a lot for the acoustic set so um, you know like Joe said, we could take a lot of the electric songs that we have. We take a lot of electric songs and strip them down to acoustic. And, yeah, you know. but the, the, when the Dead did the acoustic thing, there were songs they just did acoustic. Right, right. You well, know, and they never really did them, you know, electric. We're right. also not just pulling from the Dead. We're pulling from Garcia. Well, Garcia, Olden in a way. Yeah, in a way, yeah. You know, any of that, really. It's. I mean, that's kind of that's. I mean, if since we haven't ever really discussed. Uh, Direction, or we kind of discuss direction, you know, how we sound different than everybody else. That's kind of one of the things we really do want to do is be able to dig so deep in the catalog that we're not just saying, well, we only really do Grateful Dead or this era Grateful Dead. It's like we do pretty much anything that any of those guys played. Right. You know, if, if Weir played something or if Kreutzmann's band does something, you know, we're going to probably look at putting those in the, in the repertoire at some point. That's why you'll not, see them. Not all of it, obviously, but we're not going to count that kind of stuff out. You know, no. I mean, the rolling, the, they did they did Stones tunes, you know. Mm-hmm. No one really thinks about that, but they did Satisfaction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, yeah. it's kind of goofy to think of the I, I'd love to Satisfaction. Do that. Can we do that? But they did, <laughs> oh, no. you know, and it, and it was a hoot. It was a hoot to see live, and, and, you know, who knows, maybe we'll put it in the repertoire. There, there you go. 
Uh, yeah, you'll have to come out and shit and see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The 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 thing about like with with that band again, like you said, is that you're there's so many other side projects that they all had. I mean, we, you tend to lean on the the Garcia projects because they're so prominent, but. You know, Old in the Way was a completely different band than the Grateful Dead. And well, yeah, so it's a bluegrass band. Yeah, bluegrass you band. have like Legion of Mary. Yeah, and, and so you're pulling some of that. And then even Jerry's, like even the Jerry Garcia band, the electric, like the the version that I think of anyway, was you know a real gospel and soul based sort of like a, a oh, yeah. you know project that wasn't quite as uh, that almost acoustic album is fantastic. Yeah, so you know, and that's the thing is that you know we've seen in our in our event pages you'll say we'll say things like you know. Covering the our paying tribute to the Grateful Dead and then the quote family songbook or something like that, which I think kind of includes anything that would be any of those guys had touched. Which I could agree more with Sean and Joe that I think all that stuff's in play for us that we you know we want to be able to add as much of that side material as we can too. Yeah, I uh, I love the like 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 you're saying doing an acoustic and electric set like just because I'm a big fan of acoustic music myself. Uh, so I think it'll be a, a real treat to you know come out for the early set, go to the game, come out for the late set too. Yeah. And get a whole different experience, and yeah. uh, so that's going to be a fun night for sure. Again, uh, Friday, May tenth, and, um, and then uh, let's see what we got. Uh, June twenty first, you guys will be at the boathouse, right? Yeah, back at the boathouse. It's always a fun one playing right there on the lake with the water right behind you. So. Yeah. We haven't really talked about, it, but I got a feeling that we might do an, uh, an acoustic set, uh, at least one acoustic set there too. Probably, I would think that's kind of what we talked about. Ideally, we maybe do one of each, but we'll see. All right. So. And then uh, a big one coming up for the uh, holiday, uh, July third. You'll be at Naked Vine, one of our favorite uh, West County spots out there. Uh, <laughs> it's the only, it's the only West County spot. <laughs> as far west as we go. You hear that, Brian? <laughs> As far west as we go, buddy. All right. Uh, but this is a uh, Dark Star Orchestra after party, right? Yeah. And so uh, it's right. Dark Star is playing at the Chesterfield Amphitheater early that evening. And uh, I believe their show knocks off at 11, and I think we start at 10. Um, so uh, uh, we've got some mutual friends. Uh, and so you never know who might pop in and hang out with us after the show. So yep. we'll, uh, we'll be playing the, at the Naked Vine less than a mile away from the venue. Uh, if you've not been to the Naked Vine, as Shane can tell you, and as any one of the guys sitting here at the table can tell you, if you're a city person, y- you will feel right at home. If you're a county person, you'll also feel right at home. It's just not going to feel like an Applebee's. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> now, Brian, as, as you know, Brian's Brian's been great to work with. The venue feels uh, right at home, and it's it's our favorite little city bar in the county. We've we've joked with that forever. I, I mean, I love playing out there. I mean, we played out there Saturday night. Yeah, was, I just I just love playing out there. Brian's such a good guy and just a good soul and just. Yeah. yeah, so it's just really easy. Yeah. It's they announced that date, and uh, I think I, I ran into Koritz, Rob Koritz, the night before at the at the Oyster Bar. They announced the date the next day, and uh, and he made a passing joke about you guys ought to play at the Naked Vines right on the street, and he's like, I live right by there. And uh, yep, he does. The next day, I messaged Brian, and by I think five o'clock that afternoon, we had the details worked out and <laughs> had it booked. And I messaged Koritz, and I said, <laughs> Done. Done. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that'll be a fun one. That'll be a good time. We'll buy a drink. Yeah. Yeah, come on over, Rob. Yeah, <laughs> have a shot of whiskey, <laughs> and then we we'll have some other. Uh, we've got some other dates we'll be announcing here pretty soon. But those are the three that are you know the most pressing right now for us. Yeah, I'm sure.
Well, uh, you guys want to talk about uh, some of the other players uh, in the project? Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I would say that, you know, we definitely started off as a four-piece with basically the, the three of us and with Carson from the Scandaleros, and, and, uh, and, and, it was, and it was organic, and it was fun, and it was cool, and it took off. And, uh, uh, you know, as, as we went further along, <coughs> excuse me, as we went further along, it's just one of those deals where we, uh, um, we were playing less and less and less with that. We all had multiple different projects going on. And uh, we're also very focused on the Scandaleros. And, uh, you know, it was becoming a little bit more uh, where Carson needed to focus on this. And we needed to focus on going this direction. And obviously, we're all still on the Scandaleros. We're all still tight. We're all still buddies. Everything's right. good. And uh, so Nick Elwood had been playing with us uh, pretty frequently. Nick Elwood from the Sun Sugar Shakedown had been playing with us pretty frequently. Really for about the last year, I guess, right? Yeah. yeah. About the last yeah, year or so. Right. Yeah. And, uh, um, and so... We talked to Nick, and he said he was on board to continue with us, and, and uh, uh, wanted to really have that second uh, guitar player uh, along the way. But uh, kind of debated back and forth, and we always had Spanky kind of playing with us pretty regularly as well. Uh, and, and Spanky, we you know we knew we could count on him to be a part of the, the times that it made sense for us to be able to expand the band that way. And uh, just through like really talking about people we knew and everything, and I know Joe had played uh, for years in Naked Groove with with Tim Moody, who had been in the Naked Groove and the Swag both. Uh, uh, you know, we decided we'd see what that worked out, see how that worked out, and give it a whirl. And uh, you want to talk about? Yeah, no, I it just yeah, I, I I've been playing with Tim Moody since 2003, off and on in Naked Groove, and uh, yeah, and then he joined uh, the Swag for a few years there, and so there he just learned the whole catalog pretty much, and I figured he'd be the perfect fit for this, you know, for this group, and uh, it just you know, I was like, come on, let's give him a try. <laughs> and uh, you know, see what happens. And uh, he just fits like a glove. There you yeah. go. He's a sweet guy. All right, and good soul. And so. absolutely nice. Yeah, it worked out real nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't believe I know Tim. So I'm gonna have to. Yeah, you just missed him. He left yeah. a little bit ago. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but hopefully you'll meet him soon. Sure, I'm sure. Yeah, I'll yeah. definitely you'll probably see him at one of these shows coming up. So. Yeah, it's real nice. The, the the interplay that Tim and Nick have going right now is is yeah, is it's pretty good. They, they've uh, they've hit it off pretty well and. We're pretty excited about uh, the way they're working together, and then, and then obviously with Spanky. I mean, he's he's a busy guy, so you know to get him at a rehearsal is <laughs> right is rare. So we actually got him at a rehearsal, and and uh, he even commented the same thing. He was really, really amazed at the sound, and and uh, and I think it's gonna, that's going to be a killer part is having um, the the sort of interplay between Tim and Nick, and then Phil and Spanky, all those four mixed together, yeah. you know. Yeah. Trading licks, little little bits here and there. That's just that's really going to be nice. Literally opens itself for like the the the, the, the four headed monster as far as like having four soloists like to try to like you know divide things up and push each other. I mean that's one of the things. I know, I know I know that I'm, I know that I'm pushed. Well, I play with all the time, and that when Spanky's on a gig, it pushes me in a different way because you know we we think alike in certain ways, but and our and tonally our instruments can be similar at times. Yeah. And um, you know it's kind of fun to be able to push to like. Okay, I have to think about this a little bit differently because Spanky's on this gig. Well, for me, I love hearing harmonica in songs that I never thought I would hear harmonica. Oh, you know, yeah, like, you know, like just you know, like Terrapin Station. Yeah, you're throwing like, some lines through yeah. some of those songs tonight, and I was like, that's yeah. So awesome. it just it just yeah. that, that another that's texture, another thing yeah. that differentiates us from you know I, I got to say the word yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know from other the other bands you know it's like not you know they don't have harmonica players that play some of the you know the lines that maybe a guitar or keyboard would play and so uh, to me that's amazing and i love the sound that it that 
that comes out of that. Well, shucks, guys. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome, it buddy. It's really cool. Yeah. No, and I, do, I do think that instrumentation alone and, and having really two lead guitar players at the same time, which you know we had with, with, with Carson, too, and having that sort of twin guitar approach a la the Allman Brothers or maybe Mo or something like that, it kind of has that. And, and hear those guys tonight in the last couple of rehearsals working on some of those melodic stackings uh, of, of phrases with guitar lines. And I'm listening to them, what they're playing, and I'm thinking in my head, well, I can get in the middle of that, yeah. and then, or I can get above that note, or, or whatever. You know, we, we can make a, a a different sort of sound, a, a different you know sonic you know scape for the whole thing that would be different than maybe what other people are doing because you're adding now, Spanky and me and two guitars all kind of playing that signature yeah. line, and it yeah. kind of becomes, you know, I don't I don't think I've heard other people do that before, so it's kind of a, yeah. a different approach. Right. Yeah, what's, what's, what's been really nice about those two is is you've got the best of uh, Weir and Garcia. They both sort of. Both of the both Tim and Nick can adapt to you know if the other one's soloing well then okay I'm gonna play some quirky. Well, they weird, both know both right. of the parts. I'm gonna play yeah. some quirky weird li- licks, yeah. you know, and then vice versa. It's like okay, Nick, it's your turn, and then Tim's playing some quirky weird licks. Right. That's awesome. I think that's that that's it. You don't have a dedicated rhythm and a dedicated solo. No, that that yeah. is that's kind of definitely like, like Warren Haynes and Jimmy. Harris. That's what exactly. I was gonna say. Like, you know, like, like friends. Line. I mean, not right. that they're. You know, no, just I, that that kind of vibe, you know. right? The yeah. theory. No, but that but that was always. I know we all three talked at different times. That was always kind of what I think we really saw this being morphing into was right. If you don't know, and maybe you're not familiar, Shane, that there was Phil Lesh and friends had a lineup that's commonly referred to as the cute. Phil Lesh is the bass player in the Grateful Dead, and he had a lineup for late '90s, early 2000s, was known as the Q or the Quintet, and it featured Warren Haynes uh, from the Allman Brothers and Gilbert Mule and Jimmy Herring, who's now in Widespread Panic, but had been in Aquarium Rescue and a bunch of other bands. And they really, and, and as well as Allman Brothers. And so they really brought that kind of Allman Brothers twin lead guitar sort of approach to uh, the music of the dead. And I remember seeing them the first time I saw them was in Chicago, I think. I might have been in India, I can't remember, but um, first time I saw that lineup, I was just mouth open watching, it, it, watching those guys just. It, they, they would start to show off with just a jam. And then just segue each song and not stop until the set, end of the set. Like, yeah. you wouldn't have time to go to the bathroom. You wouldn't <laughs> you have time to, to get a beer because yeah. you're going to miss something. Well, I had a lot of sober shows during those days. <laughs> <laughs> you just didn't want to go to the beer line. You might you know, miss the really And <laughs> those are some of the best shows I've ever That's seen in my life. That's move. I only sold you two at a time, but still. Yeah, it was, it was, there, was some, there was some seriously amazing, like, oh face-melting moments with that lineup where you're, like, going... Those two, those two guys in Baraku and Keys just pushing oh, the album. John Molo on drums. Yeah, yeah. I mean, pushing the album for the whole thing. And I remember thinking Molo then, I'm like, beast. I'll probably never be in a dead band. But if I do, I'd really like to do that. that <laughs> that's really Can we cool. do that? That sounds really awesome. If I'm ever, ever going to be in a dead band, if somebody wants to let me be in the harmonica player and play on everything I want to play on a dead band, I'll maybe right. start my own. You're welcome, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. yeah, I just remember thinking that's what I wanted to do. I mean, that's actually what's kind of cool is that I don't think any of the bands in town are really trying to sound like the dead. None of them really no. are trying to recreate, you know, I mean. No, that's not the point. Right. Yeah. You know, Dark Star has that locked up. They're doing the ones recreating shows, right? So Jake's Leg sounds like Jake's Leg. Yeah. But they're, they sound like they do because of their own musical influences and the same with the swag and the same with us. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. I came from a... a, a completely different musical background than Phil and Joe and, and Tim and, and Nick. So we all, that that's what I think is great. We all have a mutual love for that music, but it's our, our interpretation yeah. of that yeah. is a conglomeration of our love for the dead, but our influences beyond that. Like, yeah. 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 I was kind of wondering about that. Like if you guys, uh, 
you know, like looked at like gear and that kind of trying to try to kind of match those tones or any of that kind of that kind of stuff. As well, personally, I love Phil Lesh, yeah, and um, he's my mentor. I just love him so much. Um, I mean, I don't want to sound just like him, but you know, and I, you don't. No, I know. You sound like you. I yeah. sound like Joe. Eh? Yeah. So, uh, but uh, you know, just we're not. You know, I'm not going to buy exactly what he has. Well, for one reason, I don't have thousands and thousands of dollars. Right. But uh, you know, I do. You know, have like one of the bases that he kind of used to use. He doesn't even really use nowadays. You know, modulus, whatever. But uh, but yeah, he he was just an influence, and uh, yeah. You know, I you know I'm not going to sound just like him, but I try to like, you know, trying to. I don't know. What I'm saying. What about you? Well, for Somebody me, it's, save me. It's, less, it's less about equipment because, I mean, they're just playing drums. So, and uh, you know, with a, with a, as a single drummer, you know, we're not going to get into the whole like uh, rhythmic rhythmic aspect of the, the drums and space bit that they do. Um, although I do have some thoughts for that that we'll discuss at a later date. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, there are I do I do tend to um, emulate. Um, for lack of a better term, licks, drum licks that I know that like Mickey played in certain parts of songs or that Billy mm. did in certain parts of songs from having seen it live and then mm. having heard it on recordings. No, just, I hear it. Because yeah. to me, it's just like, uh, that's what I hear. And I could always just play the way I want to play or I could add that and sort of like, it, it brings me back to where I first heard it. So I don't necessarily try to play how they played so much as I just it's like well you know every now and then Mickey would throw these weird Tom hits in so I'm going to throw that in now and then right. see, yeah. see how that works oh it works cool yeah, <laughs> yeah same thing yeah, if I, you know if I heard Phil yeah. do something like a yeah. slide up and down you know the certain song or a certain version of it I'm going to yeah, do Bill, it because you know I want to I want to do it that way. Billy did a lot of rides. Well, it's also how it sounds in your head. Yeah. For me anyway. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, versions of, like we true. We've all heard certain versions. Like really. I heard you know like throwing stones like the early version from like 1982. <laughs> And then, like, the version they released on the album is completely different. Or yeah. not completely different, but pretty different. And so I would hear that, and I would just do, you know, the bass things that Phil did in, like, 82 that we, he never did in, like, the late, you know. This is pretty heavy stuff, folks. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, anyway. No, I'll get to, yeah. But I think as far as, like, this rotation setup goes, it's, it's especially for the guitarists, I think more than anybody else. They both. Yeah, they're not here to speak. I'm going to try to do the best I can to explain this. But <laughs> We're going to tell you what they do. But I think as far as that goes, I think it probably falls on those guys as much as it does anybody else. They use the finest Hello Kitty and first act <laughs> yeah. available. Exactly. Yeah. Nothing the like best. a Taylor Swift guitar in a rock Nothing but the best. So. No, they've, they've, they've both have done a pretty good job of making sure that they have their own sound. Um, oh, and, yeah. And so, and so do Carson and so does you know, Sean Cannon and guys like that, the, the people that play around town that play this music, um, definitely all have their own sound and their own take on the way that Garcia would sound or that Weir would sound. And um, But I do think that maybe for those guys, I'm just assuming based on having talked to different people about gear that they need to have for this sort of a gig, that, yeah, there's definitely a certain, there's gear-specific stuff they need to have to be able to get tones and sounds that they want to have for certain songs especially. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, like, I, 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 I won't get into the specifics because it's not my business, but I know, like, you know, talking with Tim tonight about the rig and some, the neutron pedal. The pedal that is pretty yeah. much one of the big ones for yeah. any kind of Garcia tones. Yeah, if you're going to try to play yeah. Garcia, you have to have something that would be either an auto well, wire or a, a, yeah, an envelope filter. Yeah, an envelope yeah, filter, yeah. an auto wire, or, you know, neutron, which is a big part of his later tone especially. But even both those guys... All those guys I just mentioned, and you could go down the list of several other guys, Dave Casper, other guys in town that do this stuff. Um, you know, all of them have done a, done a pretty good job of making sure that they've. I read a, I read a quote from Warren Hayes one time where he talked about, "Look, it's not my job to recreate Garcia, but there's licks and there's stuff that I need to be able to pay homage to, and I make sure I try to make sure I get that, those it's parts part right." Part of the song. Yeah, right. and even down to their tone. 
though to a certain degree they'll make sure that they uh they get those things right uh, i think for me as a harmonica player that's kind of the fun thing about being in this band is that you know i can kind of say i mean i don't i don't know if it's better or worse or whatever else but i i don't know many other harp players in town that play with a bunch of pedals in front of them and, <laughs> and, and at first in some way shape or form it was a way to compensate for myself i freely admit it and then later i, I realized that oh these are actually can be used as instruments themselves yeah and just create, layer them yeah. yeah and layer things and go and, and I've gotten more comfortable with that over the years and I think the freedom of playing in the bands that I play in from this band or the Scandaleros or anything else is that you know um, I hear horn lines in my head I hear uh, synth or, or piano lines or organ lines and also hear guitar lines and so I don't I don't play straight up blues stuff in the first place just because it's there's guys that do that really well it's not my bag and uh so it's like it's gonna be my own spin and then doing doing the dead stuff like uh, it's like i said a minute ago it's kind of fun to like uh play that jerry lick at the same time as the two other guitarists are playing it already right. so i think that again that's just a different spin that we bring to the table as far as uh, uh the instrumentation and the arrangement for some of this stuff goes i had a fun conversation not too long ago with uh tony campanella and, and talked about some guitar gear and tone and stuff like I don't really know that world but it's fun to talk to guys that do know it and yeah, Tony does yeah. and, and but Tony was, it's, it's a rabbit hole yeah, but Tony, yeah. it really is you can fall down it really deep yeah, yeah. it's like but let Tony, me take out a loan you know the way Tony was saying it though he's like you know whatever Nick or Tim or anybody else could come play Tony's rig uh-huh. But it's gonna sound like them, and you know, it's like the tone, his tone is in his hands, and Tony's it, hands. Exactly, and stuff. Yeah, it's, and, that's what most people don't realize. Right. You can buy the, exactly what a certain guitar player or musician has, but right. it's not gonna sound like them. Right, your fingers make the tone. Like you are part of the instrument as much as the instrument. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. Like you know, he can yeah. play these, you know, whatever Freddie King licks or whatever, uh-huh. and different things like all that blue stuff that he plays. But it's like. But it's still, it's going to sound like Tony playing it. So, like, yeah, yeah. And he's a tone it's monster, too. Right? He's one of those guys where he's got, you know... He has a sound. He has a sound that is definitely him, yeah. and it comes from... Uh, you, you can hear the Hendrix stuff in him. You can hear the Stevie Ray stuff in him. You can hear the Freddie King stuff in him. You can hear, the, you can hear a lot of that stuff, but he still sounds like Tony Campanella. Yeah. And that's what, you know, I think that's kind of what... You and I talked about this a lot, that St. Louis is blessed in the sense that we've got so many ridiculously talented musicians. Oh, yeah. Jeez. And there's no shortage of talented guitar players no. who are completely different from each other up and down. I mean, just look at the guys that, you know, that Sean brings on board for the video shows back and forth that he plays. Right, with. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, that, yeah, yeah, all those guys who front their own bands and do and, and bring some way to comp and make the show different when they're playing with them. Yeah. That's one of my favorite... Uh, networking tools for sure down there uh, is Sean's Voodoo Players because like he's introduced me to so many other great players around town and then I discover their original stuff and so on and stuff so it's like right. it's really a, a great way to get introduced to a lot of great players around town so, yeah. yeah yeah, he's doing, yeah. A, doing a good thing down there yeah so big shout out to our buddy Sean Cannon yeah every Wednesday at Broadway Oyster Bar yeah and we're all we have we all do different voodoo shows as well as the, yeah. the voodoo almonds yeah. of course regularly yeah, and then we all do different ones as well on different times and yeah you know that uh was sean that was uh uh ben harper burned one down oh, the 420 show the 420 show yeah, that, was, uh, <laughs> that was so much fun man that was a blast yeah i would uh, but you're up there uh, rocking that uh agenda yeah, yeah it's yeah. funny because I, I as a percussionist because i do a lot of shows with sean on percussion as a percussionist, I've never, ever in my life owned a djembe. Yeah. Ever. Uh, because I had congas. So I didn't need a djembe because yeah. other people had djembes. I had conga drums. And uh, 
and this show came around, and I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I get to write it off on taxes at the end of the year, but I went right. and bought a djembe. I was there like, all right, yeah. cool, I'll buy a djembe. I've never owned one. I'm the funny thing was, 50 you were, years old, I've never owned a djembe. The funny thing was, you were standing on the sidewalk with me before the set, and you're like, I'm not walking out front. No way. I'll just play. There's no way. There's no room. That's stupid. I'm not walking out front. There's no way. Shonda comes out and he goes, See, I'll just, you know, we'll bring you out front. And Sean's like, Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm up here, buddy. Yeah, that was a fun night. That it was, was fun. That, that was, was a fun, fun show. Actually, every, uh, I've, not, I've not had a bad voodoo experience. Mm-hmm. You know, even on, even on nights when, you know, because it happens where, you know, you think it's going to be a great night and it turns out to be a mediocre night crowd wise. But musically, I've never had a bad night. No, yeah, I, I can stay yeah, safe here. I know. never would have guessed I would hear Cree Rider singing Mary Jane from <laughs> Rick James. Oh, yeah. Uh, but that, wow. was, that was definitely one of the highlights. I missed that. That was, yeah. a, that was a totally fun show. We play, I played the acoustic really show that afternoon with him, too. Really and he yeah. was asking me about a couple of different songs. That's funny. And I asked, who's singing Mary Jane? And he goes, I am. Yeah. And I, I laughed at first, and I go, wait, please tell me you're serious. And he goes, yeah, I'm singing. Oh, yeah. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. That's so great. Well, and he killed it. It was great. Yeah. It was yeah. fun. Well, I, I, uh, my, the real highlight, I mean, Cree nailed it, but my favorite part is, uh, what, like, you know, three quarters through the song, Aaron and Adam walk through the back door and oh, stuff yeah. up and oh, yeah. start blowing horns <laughs> right into Sean's microphone and, like, oh. and it was so perfect. It that was, was like, hilarious because, yeah. you know, I kind of got the, the, the vantage point from sitting next to the drums and sort of behind Shauner and they snuck in and sort of set their horns down and Shauner turned around and looked at him and pointed at yeah. both of them like nope you're not getting off that easy get the horns out and they literally were it's like probably right the only the time that that song has ever been completely like you know sec- not second line but like full bone the New Orleans treated very because it did get pretty like you know you got pretty Mason Street there at the end of the whole thing for, yeah. uh, for a little bit which was awesome like but nobody's ever taken that Rick James turn tune and Spun it that way. It was perfect. Yeah. It was perfect the way they walked in. The other one I was really surprised by that I wouldn't have guessed I would heard, uh, but it, you know, it obviously fit the show. But hearing uh, Sean singing Sublime, uh, Smoke Two <laughs> Joints, yeah. uh, you know, so like just wouldn't have guessed I would hear hearing Sean singing that one. But it was it, it worked out. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Why not? I think like, the fun. I think the, the fun of the night for me was the one took over the line. Yeah, was the, the, <laughs> Sweet the old tune because I told the story at the afternoon set. Um, my grandparents, Southern Baptist Church in Arkansas, I learned that song or first heard that song in that church, which I guess was a pretty common thing in the, in the South that these Southern Baptist churches would take because they thought it was one toe over the line, sweet Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so these contemporary music ministers would like add it to the... So I can remember singing it in church. And then I was probably 17 years old before I found out that it was one toke over the line. Uh, I was like, oh, it's a completely different meaning. <laughs> Whole different thing. Oh. That set list was fun, though. That was one of those where, yeah. you know... When he sent me the set list, I was like, "I know all these songs." Yeah, I'm like, "I'm, I'm not, I'm not played most of them ever in yeah. my life." And we cut some songs that would have been yeah. fun to do. Yeah. That uh, yeah. Gord's uh, "Gin and Juice" cover—that's a, that's a great good. one. Yeah, yep. uh, I did that song in Lightning Bottle Band like almost every night for probably five years <laughs> to the point where you get sick of it and yeah. you don't play it for ten years. And all of a sudden, you play it again. You're like, "That was fun." Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Sipping on gin and juice. <laughs> yeah, man, that was fun. That was a a great night. Um, but uh, so yeah, there's there's that's a great example of uh, what can happen at a voodoo show. You never you never know what can happen. <laughs> so, um, it smelled kind of funny that night. Yeah, it did a little bit. Yeah, I didn't know what that was. Yeah, yeah. Something, yeah. Somebody knows out there. Just uh, email Shane and right. tell them yeah, partially. Write in, let us know. Well, you know, probably some of those same people will be at our show on Friday night. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we can ask them. Yeah, we we'll just ask them in right. person. Oh, okay. Yeah. Friday night. What's that? Yeah. 
Uh, yep, so come on out uh, to the Midwestern on Friday, May 10th. Uh, again, uh, two sets, or uh, sorry, well, uh, acoustic set, two sets of acoustic and two yep. sets electric. Yep. Correct. Bring yep. uh, post. Yeah, so, uh, and that's going to be a wild night for sure, so come on out. And uh, everything else you can find, uh, more announcements coming soon on the uh, Facebook page. Yeah, uh, probably get a uh, one. Yeah. Yep. And I was going to ask, like, it might be a silly question because... I don't know, but uh, is Alligator Wine, is that, like, uh, is that a dead song, or where the, is that a it's, reference? It's a lyric, in, lyric? in one of the songs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a line in one of the songs. Yeah. So, uh, we, that was a fun day, too. Was, I was in back-to-teacher meetings, back-to-school meetings, and, you know, really involved. And uh, we were bantering back and forth that whole, that whole day. I was not paying attention to meetings at all. We were bouncing things back and forth about names for, uh, names for the band. And uh, I don't remember who came up with it, but it just kind of like clicked all of a sudden, like, oh, that's the yeah. well. You were doing double checking to make sure that there, there, was, there was a base. There's a, there's a database somewhere that it names all the dead tribute right, bands. There the is another band called Alligator Wine on the East Coast, and I do believe they're slightly still active, but not very what? often. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. But, we don't we don't even play on for like a year. We're here's not the thing: we're, we're not the o- we're not the only other band that has got a similar you know a name like yeah. another dead band. There's a couple of them out there that have similar names on opposite ends of the country as well. And I looked at it like well. They're slightly inactive. They don't play that much. We're in St. Louis. We're not in direct competition. No. This isn't, you know, right. it's not a competition. So well, it's, it's fitting because, I mean, the Warlocks was originally the Grateful Dead's name, and they had to change their name because the story I always heard was a little-known blues man out of Texas eventually became ZZ Top. It was the, originally called the Warlocks. The story I oh, heard really? was it was, uh, it was actually it was Velvet Underground. Oh, it Underground? Was Velvet Underground was the Warlocks, yeah. Okay, somebody else told me it was ZZ Top. Lou Reed and those guys were called oh, the Warlocks. Like, yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I kind of wanted to be ZZ Top just because yeah. jerk. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the story I heard was that it was Lou Reed and those guys, and that's why they changed it. Huh. What were uh, What were some of the names that didn't make the cut? Uh, well, <laughs> I, I don't remember really. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I wanted to. Ca- I, I wanted to call. Like I remember back in the day, I wanted to call one of the dead bands if I was ever in one called the uh, Speeding Arrow. Yeah, you know, yeah. from uh, da, from uh, Saint Stephen. Yeah, you know. That's not bad, and that's generally if you look at any so the, if you look uh, at, I keep up with that. Yeah, so if you look at <laughs> any, if you look at any of the any of the bands that are covering Grateful Dead music and and, and their names, they all definitely tie tie back to a song lyric yeah. or a phrase or even sometimes just uh, an idea. One of Children of Basement was one of them, uh, which you know that was one of the ones that I threw out. Right. I think was there's Children a band called Bands. High Rider. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We threw out a lot of different names of Terrapin in them because we were playing primarily Terrapin Tuesdays. And there was a lot of different Terrapin this, Terrapin that. Oh, yeah. Uh, we threw out a lot of those. And then I'm sure we had some vague, you know, speaking of 420, some vague references there as well. I'm sure we probably had some, some things we touched on that way. And But, you know, kind of, I think we all kind of agreed we wanted to do something that was going to be, at least if you were in the know, you knew that this was a dead lyric, you knew this was related to like if I was in another city and I saw that a band named Alligator Wine was playing, I would just assume it was a dead band. Right. right. Like some yeah. of those things were like you know. Yeah. If you're aware, then you're aware, and so. Yep. Yeah. Except in Chicago, where I like to look up and see that so and so is playing, but like, that's got to be a grateful dead tribute band. Right. Yeah. But every once in a while you're wrong, and you get there. And, and <laughs> and it's like a, there it's, a, and it's a polka disc. It's a Sepultura cover band. Yeah. Like oh, Sepultura. I was in a band called Quasimojo, and everybody thought we were this like weird blues band, and we didn't play any blues at all, and people were always so disappointed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you all played the blues. Nope. <laughs> Sorry, this is original music. You can do this. You, that's a fun game to play. Like worst band names you've ever been a part of. Uh, <laughs> for a brief moment, I was in a band called Dylan Likes to Pee. 
Ugh, wow. Never had one gig, just jamming people's ba- jamming to Buddy Steve's bass. Probably good. Still idea. likes to pee. Yeah. I didn't name that band. Uh, Scott Rockwood always thought it was funny that he was in the first. It was Liquid Biscuit Orchestra, which just sounds like this is the worst name you've ever come up with, Phil. And I'm like, no, this is not the worst. Trust me, there's worse. But this is so we're stuck. Liquid with. Biscuit. Yeah. And so that uh, became Thunder Biscuit Orchestra, which Sean Hartung right. said that's just a fart instead of the other. Right. And, uh, so yeah, some bad band names along the way. Mark Thomas and I had a band called Moose Knuckle. Uh, I was in a group that we debated some, you know, changing our name every time we played, and we were going to be uh, uh, Stink Finger or or, or, or Stank Fist. Stank, Stank Fist. fist. Uh, yeah. That sounds like seven to ten years. This is getting off the, <laughs> yeah, getting off the rails, guys. We're going to lose our audience here. Uh, <laughs> we were younger. It was fun. Yeah, it's funny how you think these are great ideas when you're young. Like Dylan likes to pee. Like remember Steve saying that? And we all laughed. It was something, something that happened in the basement with his dog. The dog's name was Dylan. Pee doesn't Oh, uh, uh, there you go. And he goes, "I'm sorry, man. Dylan likes to pee. Pee doesn't matter. He's like the the, uh, the kick drum uh, case. Mm-hmm. He peed on the side of it. And he's like, "Sorry, uh, man. Dylan likes to pee. There's the band name. There you go. <laughs> Thank Love God it. we never kicked that's out loud of that one. <laughs> well, I think that's the story, even with. Uh, with Dave Grohl and Foo Fighters, he's like, man, if I would have known I've been going by Foo Fighters for the rest of my life, I would have picked a better band. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's like, yep. uh, but somehow he, you know, he was a, it was a silly name, and then it all of a sudden became a big yeah, hit. So it was probably like, we need a name for the gig, right? <laughs> yeah, so, crap, we keep getting gigs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what do we do now? <laughs> well, that's how that's how Liquid Biscuit happened. I booked a, I booked a, we decided like randomly Scott Rockwood, myself, and Brian Sachs were going to do trio shows, and I booked a gig at this little dive bar in Maryland Heights. The girl goes, well, like I didn't expect her to book us. I was going, I was going to leave her information. And she came out. And she goes, yeah, I've got dates open. She, I told her that I, that we played in Lightning Bottle and that Scott played in Manny Hoochie. And she goes, yeah, I got dates open. Pops out her calendar. And she goes, how about this date and that date? And I go, oh, okay, those match. And she's like, what's the name of the band? We had look, we just taught that afternoon. The afternoon gig about doing this, and so I tried to think of something that would be LB for Lightning Bottle, and I said, liquid biscuit. <laughs> So I got the night gig and I'm like, guess what, guys? We got acoustic gigs. Yeah. That's the good news. Bad news is. Bad news is we're booked under liquid biscuit. Scott's like, that's no, gross. This reminds me of uh, that uh, that scene in Wayne's World when he's like uh, trying to come up with the lineup for uh, Wayne Stock. And oh, yeah. He's like, you know, oh, who else right. is going to be there? Uh, Van Halen? You know. I was in a band in high school or out just out of high school and we played a battle of the bands in Columbia and, and we didn't want to use our normal band name so we called ourselves the Glass Camels. <laughs> Sweet. We didn't win. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, the world never knew about Glass Camel. That was my yeah. nickname in high school, Glass Camel. We and, and actually that was that was like we, it was one of those things where it was a last you know it wasn't a last minute so much but there was no promotion yeah so it didn't matter what you were called up up front so yeah. in the moment we were like let's don't say who we are yeah. Yeah. we're we're somebody else tonight because yeah. it was a bad event. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The band formerly known as this no longer known as this but yeah. possibly known as this now. So. <laughs> Those uh, some of those like they got those like random band name generators online too, and like oh, yeah. that's what it sounds like, something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you can uh, see Alligator Wine again uh, May tenth at the Midwestern, uh, June twenty first at the Boathouse, and July third Naked Vine, Chesterfield, Missouri Dark Star Orchestra after party. Uh, so come on out uh, again. Get involved on Facebook and. Uh, See you on the show. 
Thank you guys for doing this, man. It's Thanks, Shane. Thanks for coming over, man. We appreciate yeah. it. Thank you, Shane. Thank you so much. It's been, uh, been a good time. So Always is. Yeah. I'll see you guys. See you, bud. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Rock, paper, podcast. Rock, paper, podcast. Rock, paper, podcast. Rock, paper, podcast. Well, yeah, that was it.